soul community was born three they love me and that's a magic number Difficult preaching is possibly pleasure. Pleasure in preaching starts in the heart. Something that stimulates the music and that magic. Hello and welcome to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, my name is Jasmine and I'm on the air with Reese. Hey. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. Hi. What's up, OTR family? Back. <laughs> yeah, she's back. Don't call it a comeback. She was here for years. <laughs> That's so true. I was only gone for a couple of months. So we are recording this on Saturday, February the 18th, and you'll be listening to it for the first time Sunday, February the 19th. Um, and uh, at the top, what you heard was a song by De La Soul. Three is a magic number. So we can say that there's three of us. It's me, you, and Dre this week. Hey, Dre. <laughs> He's over here licking himself, living the life of luxury. That's what's up. That's Is it cold out there this weekend? It's cold today, like, but it's a nice sunny day. Like I was outside briefly, so... It feels like it should feel. I'm just, I'm missing the snow. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. What temperature is it like where you're at? Um, It's been in the upper 60s. I think we might hit 70 today, but it's actually been cold, like colder than I expected for Southern California. So the mornings, it, you know, this week it was a morning. It was like 38 one morning, like 40. I was like, okay, this ain't, this ain't right. I want my money back. Yeah, because some, somebody was saying on Twitter that, like, the temperature in New York and in some part of California was, like, the same in February, and they're like, what's going on? Yeah. Or, yeah. like, it was close. We know what's going on, girl. We know what's going on. I know, I know. All right, well, on this week's show for the local news story, uh, we have a rest in peace segment for a New York native, Trugoy the Dove, who recently passed away. For National News, we'll be discussing uh, a shocking hate crime in Los Angeles uh, that targeted two Jewish men. For World News, there's an update on the horrific earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. And for some good news, uh, some progressive new laws in Spain around menstrual leave, abortion rights, and more. So to get started, I'm going to read an obituary that was in Rolling Stone. Um, this was written by Andre Guy on February 12th. De La Soul's Trugoy the Dove, dead at 54. David Trugoy the Dove, Jolicoeur, one-third of the iconic rap triumvirate De La Soul has died, Rolling Stone has confirmed. The news was first reported by All Hip Hop. He was 54. The cause of death has not been disclosed. Trigoy, who had recently been going by the name Dave and was also known as Plug 2, had been open about his bout with congestive heart failure in recent years. In De La Soul's 2017 Royalty Capes video, Trigoy candidly spoke about how his ailing health kept him from performing. I'm ready to just go get back to the stage, he said. I miss that. I love traveling. I love being around my guys, and I want that back. De La Soul was part of the Grammy's hip-hop tribute performance last week, but Trugoy wasn't on stage with his groupmates. Renowned as one of the most innovative acts in rap history, De La Soul made their mark particularly in the early 90s 
when they represented a fun balance to the then burgeoning gangster rap scene. Their early work was characterized by layers of disparate samples melded together, serving as a jazzy, energetic canvas for Trigoy, Pastanus, and Maceo to unleash their quirky rhymes over canonical songs like Break a Dawn, Stakes is High, and Me, Myself, and I. Of the latter track, Trugoy told Rolling Stone in 2009 that, Originally, it was us trying to make sure we're saying we're not hippies. We were just being ourselves. People are now taking the song to be, Okay, it's cool to be me, and I don't have to be hard. It wasn't really about saying that, even though the video came off like that. The trio met in high school in the Long Island town of Amityville. The three all rapped in local groups, but eventually came together to record a demo called Plug Tuning, which Maceo played for his neighbor, Prince Paul of Stetsasonic. Paul, who Poss once called the fourth member of De La Soul, played the track for New York rap figures, and it sparked a buzz that led to them signing with Tommy Boy Records in 1989. In 2014, De La Soul released The People with Chuck D. At the time, Trigoy told Rolling Stone that the lyrics are commentaries of our struggles and successes, our weaknesses and strengths, the experiences, trials, and tribulations we have faced as human beings, a race, and individuals. And we hope the song will lend itself to something positive in these difficult times. Following news of Trigoy's death, many in the music community paid homage. Eric Sermon called De La Soul one of the best rap groups in rap history in an Instagram tribute to Trigoy. This just shattered me. R.I.P. Trugoy the Dove, Plug 2, a track wrote, hard to express how much De La means to me. The artistry, the creativity, the humor, the wisdom, and just the overall dopeness. Balloon Mind State Shaped Me, all the albums, but that one in particular. Earlier this year, De La Soul announced that the first six albums of their catalog would be returning to streaming services on March 3rd. The group had been in a two-year battle with Tommy Boy Records in the late 2010s, but retrieved their masters in August 2021. Next month, they'll be re-releasing Three Feet High and Rising, De La Soul is Dead, Balloon Mind State, Stakes is High, Artificial Intelligence, Mosaic Thump, and AOI Bionics to streaming services. So yeah, this was, it was shocking news to me because I was, I don't know what put the song in my mind. I think it was knowing that their albums were going to be back to streaming because I really liked that song, Me, Myself, and I, like I would yeah. guess it's probably one of their most popular tracks and I was in my apartment dancing Dre was looking at me wild and then I just saw like CNN popped up that he died and I was like oh my god wow 54 years old is very young to go and it got me to thinking like DMX died at 50 Coolio was 59 Shot G from Digital Underground was 57 Mm. Bismarcky was 57 Fife Dog was 45, MF Doom was 49, you know, and that's on top of, you know, there's a lot of younger rappers that are dying, you know, of violence, unfortunately, but then you also see some of these Generation X rappers that are just dying of quote unquote natural causes, but way too soon. So rest in peace to him and condolences to his family. It's just really very sad. 
Yeah, and definitely, um, you know, I remember one of the thing one of the times I actually seen De La Soul in concert. Um, I was really young. They were part of a tour called Spit Kickers, and it was like all old school hip hop had came through these um, small venues in different cities. And uh, I remember going to that concert, and it was just so hype, so much love. Like everybody just and and Bismarck he was there. A couple of people that you named was there as well. This just was really um, disheartening, and also. No, sad to say, like, uh, interesting enough, the 50 years of hip hop has been celebrated. I don't know if you got the chance to watch the Grammys. I didn't see it, but my family had watched it and they were like, wow, De La Soul was up there, but he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. And it just made me think about, you know, like when, when we were growing up, how hip hop was just like on the rise. We had some of the best music coming out now that the the genre itself is celebrating, you know, 50 years in experience. It just really shows you how much, how much people have aged and grown. And, you know, the performance was outstanding. I think it was like 31 rappers performed over maybe like 15 minutes. So they had spliced up the music like that. And it just really took me on a journey. I was in here jamming like to all these old songs and just grateful to have grown up at a time when music was changing so much. So definitely, you know, just sending love to the whole hip hop community overall. Cause every time we lose one, you know, it hurt, it hit different, but you definitely, definitely puts life into perspective. It really does. And it's something how, you know, because the genre itself started out with people who have very little, yeah. you know, black and Hispanic people together in the city, you know, making something out of nothing. And I, it's unfortunate, but I think that's reflected in, even though the genre has been around now for 50 years, how many people in this genre live to see this, this mark in old age, you know, and it's not like that in other types of music, really. I mean, I think, I guess if you look back to like jazz and stuff like that, a lot of those people had, you know, struggles with drugs, but Mm -hmm. you know, with hip hop, it's really, you know, whether people being taken away with senseless violence or, you know, as famous as you might be you know if you're still a black person in america there's a lot of these health inequities that will catch up to you Mm -hmm. and you know apparently he was struggling with congestive heart failure which is sadly very common just across the board in the u.s but disproportionately with us as black people yes very true so we gotta you know if you are able if you have the ability please you know try to do your best to keep up with your health Um, so that you can try to be here as long as you can but you know there's only so much you can do like if there's you know systemic barriers in the way that's making that difficult so um, once again condolences to all of uh, Dave's loved ones and sad that he is gone but you know very happy for you know the legacy of positivity and creativity that he helped to leave absolutely so for our first musical break Released on April Fool's Day, 1989, from their debut album, Three Feet High and Rising. This is Me, Myself, and I by De La Soul. And you're listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll be right back. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Tell me, mirror, what is wrong? Can it be my De La clothes or is it just my De La Soul? What I do ain't make-believe. Just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. 
one is just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. Myself and I. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And up next, we have Reese with our world news story. Yes, so this article that I'm going to read is from AlJazeera.com. Um, it's basically titled Turkey Syria Updates, uh, three rescued 13 days after the quake. Um, the author here is Kevin Doyle and Usaid Sidiqua. Um, Some points here, death toll from the Turkey Syria earthquake passes 46,000. Total number of people killed in Turkey has hit 40,642. The Syrian government and the UN says more than 5,800 people have died there. Rescue teams in Turkey's Hatay rescued a 45-year-old man alive after he spent 278 hours under the rubble. The total of 178 UN trucks carrying aid from Turkey into northwest Syria have crossed the border uh, since February 9th, and Turkey is caring for 1,589 children who have been separated by their families following the quake. Doctors rushed to Turkey's quake-hit areas to bolster the health system. Health workers arrive in the quake-hit region as concerns grow about spreading infection among the displaced. A baby girl was rescued in northern Syria. She's been reunited with her aunt. An infant child born in northern Syria during the month's devastating earthquake has been reunited with her aunt and uncle after her parents and siblings died after the disaster. Footage circulating widely on social media after the quake showed a rescuer scrambling down a hill of rubble carrying the tiny dust-covered baby. On Saturday, her paternal aunt, Hala, and uncle, by marriage, Kahil, finally picked up their niece from whom, whom is named Afra after her deceased mother. Uh, Turkish internet lashes out at government after the deadly quake. Grieving internet users are sharing old tweets and videos embarrassing for that are embarrassing for the Tur- Turkish government after last week's disastrous quake. One clip shows President Recep Tayyip Erdogan 
congratulating officials for adopting an amnesty law in 2018 for giving faults in nearly 6 million buildings that failed safety regulations. Filmed during rallies in Hata um, and other areas that were badly affected by the February 6th disaster. Edrogen boasted that he said he solved the problem for residents to stay in their home. The comments, while we are received by people who were avoiding losing their homes at the time, now look ill-conceived. 84,000 buildings have collapsed or were severely damaged. More than 84,000 buildings have either collapsed, need urgent demolition, or are severely damaged by the quake. One of the areas severely hit was Antakya, an ancient crossroads of civilizations. The city has suffered several quakes, almost one every 100 years, and is no stranger to rebuilding. Operations being hampered in northwestern Syria. The head of the World Food Program has urged authorities in northwestern Syria to stop blocking areas access to the area as it seeks to help hundreds and thousands of people ravaged by the earthquakes. WFP director David Beasley has said the agency was running out of stocks there and called for more border crossings to be opened in Turkey. The problems we are running into are with the cross-line operations into northwest Syria, where the northwestern Syrian authorities are not giving us access we need, said Beasley on the sidelines of the Munich Security Conference. In Syria, already shattered by more than a decade of civil, civil war, the bulk of fatalities have been in the northwest. The area is controlled by insurgents at war with forces loyal to President Bashir al-Assad, which has complicated efforts to get aid to people. Um, damaged sanitation infrastructure leads to rising concerns about the spread of infections. Medics and experts have voiced concerns about the possible spread of infection in the area where tens of thousands of buildings collapsed last week, leaving sanitation infrastructures, infrastructure damaged. Turkish health care minister, Finratin Koka, said on Saturday that although there had been a rise in intestinal and upper respiratory infections, the numbers did not pose a serious threat of public health. Our priority now is to fight against the conditions that can threaten public health to prevent infection disease, she told a news conference in southern Hatay province. Aid organizations say the survivors will need help for months to come, and so much crucial infrastructure has been destroyed. More than 1 million people live in tent encampments in Turkey. While the exact number of displaced people across southern Turkey is unknown, there are more than 1 million people living in tent encampments. When you consider 13.5 million people across southern Turkey have been impacted by this disaster, you get a sense of the enormous challenge the Turkish government will face, said Al Jazeera's Natasha Gonin, speaking from the city of Adna. There is no figure yet as to know how many people are now homeless as a result of the earthquake, but we do know that the government has provided shelter to 1.6 million people. People are waiting to see where they will be housed or for an inspector to deem their homes either structurally sound or too damaged to live in. There's a lot of feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, Gonum said. The government said 75,000 buildings in Turkey have been destroyed or damaged, another almost mind numbing statistic that gives you a sense of the colossal needs of the people in the coming weeks and months. And then finally, nearly 6,500 babies have been born in southern Turkey since twin earthquakes shook the region earlier this month, the Turkish health minister said. A total of 6,447 babies have been born since the first day of the disaster. Every child born is a hope, 
Ferrietta Coca said at the Disaster and Emergency Management Presidency Coordination Center in the southern province of Hatay. Wishing the babies a good and long life, Coca said that the necessary health services are provided to the babies and their mothers without interruption. Regarding maternity care, the health minister said that 10,489 pregnancy observations were conducted in the earthquake hit region. A number of postpartum follow-ups was also more than 10,000. He said that more than 10,000 neonatal heel pricks, a blood circulation procedure on newborns were done. More than 5,100 babies were screened for spinal muscular atrophy and 154,212 vaccine doses were administered as part of childhood immunization services. So there's more updates there. I just thought those were some key points to kind of talk about the level of disaster that we are seeing here. Um, Those numbers are frightening. And the country as a whole, it seems like even though it was a certain region, because of all of the conflict um, regarding this area, the complex conflicts with, you know, the politics is really hitting harder now that people are trying to send aid over to these regions. Um, the part about the children being born was, I mean, very special just to think that they survived something like this and that those medical practices are still available for them. But you can't even imagine the number of people who will suffer from this for a very long time. You know, the first initial reports about it was horrific. And then for the number of dead to have ballooned like this, it's really, it just makes your jaw drop to the floor. Like 40-some thousand people gone in the span of a week. And it's also, unfortunately, like my friend Janet was saying before, one of the scarier things about this is that there are many people who didn't pass away right away, but it was such a challenge trying to get to them that they died waiting for help. And, you know, there's reports of people that could see someone waving to them, but they couldn't physically get to the person in time. And then you just saw the person just stop moving. Like it's really, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can't even imagine like the nightmare, but I'm glad the, what you were reading pointed out that, Earthquakes might not be something you can control, but there's a lot of shadiness with buildings, how they're constructed, not following procedure, not having up-to-date codes and stuff like that for construction. That's not, there's nothing natural about that. That's greed. Exactly. And then this is what happens. Yeah. And to be able to even repair this, I feel like it's just going to take so long for them to even just get through the debris and make space to have new infrastructure and, you know, disasters like this sometimes result in the country just not being able to recover. Um, And that's just really scary. You know, just the thought that something, this level of devastation is one part of the article said that there's a region that was hit as hit like every hundred years by an earthquake like this. I guess this was the one, but it's almost like, how do you rebuild after this? What do you do? The number of displaced people is, is, like significant and with all of the conflict going on and the nations around it it's just really sad to know you know where it's almost it feels very hopeless and helpless like the article said and just you know my heart goes out to anyone who has family there that they can't reach that they haven't heard from Um, this is the type of disaster that can really last a lifetime 
Yeah, for sure. And the um, I think we touched on it briefly either last week or the week before, but um, there's a website called Charity Navigator, C-H-A-R-I-T-Y-N-A-V-I-G-A-T-O-R.org. Um, and if you were to Google that and then put, you know, earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, you can go to that site and it will show you um, different organizations that you might want to donate to. And it gives them a score, like a ranking um, mm-hmm. based on, you know, how reliable they are, that your money will actually be going to something um, good. And um, as it, you know, whenever things like this happen, also, if there's a way you can connect directly with people, you know, who are, you know, of the diaspora, like people who are in the States and they have family back home, like sometimes mm-hmm. that's a good way to give directly in a way that, you know, will help. Um, but it's just so, so horrible. And I'm seeing on Al, Al Jazeera on the 10th, they published an article saying that the U.S. is exempting a Syrian earthquake aid from sanctions for a certain amount of time. So mm. I'm hoping that that makes a big difference and that, you know, aid and relief is actually able to reach people in that area. But, you know, that's another thing that's not a natural disaster. That's a man, that's a political decision, you know, when right. you decide to stop sending things to whole regions, like, you know, there's, you're not just hurting the government or whatever leader that you're trying to hurt. Like there's all these little people that then are just left in the lurch and caught in the middle. Exactly. And the number of displaced children is growing at an alarming rate. So, you know, I always figured if I was ever in a position in life, you know, to adopt a child, you know, these are some of the things I would consider not to say that, I wouldn't adopt an American child, a black child or anything like that. But when you think about the number of children who will be affected by this, you know, just the amount that the sheer amount that was been born since the disaster. um, Yeah, it's it's really a lot. I mean, it's it's overwhelming. So just something to consider if if you, you know, have that ability in life or interested in doing that. Um, These are the type of children that, you know, who knows what will happen um, in their lives following something like this. And there was, um, we haven't had someone on from NYU in a long time from the environmental medicine. Um, I don't know if we called it a department or what, but there was a specialist that we were going to have on to talk about epigenetics Mm. and how when you go, like trauma can somehow manifest in genetics, like for generations. Wow, um, which I'm interested in, but I don't know much about, and I would be interested to learn more about. But that also comes to mind, like the way you're saying that these are things that have wide ranging effects. Like regardless mm-hmm. of what you fix today, just the trauma of having lived through something like that, or yeah. lost people. Like there's people, their entire family is gone. You know, or half of them are gone and then the other half is trying to move on. Like, what does that do to the kids and then the kids' kids and to, you know, the national memory uh, for something like this to happen? It's going to take a very long time for that region to recover from a disaster like this. I wouldn't be surprised if we were talking about this at the end of this year still, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that they hadn't really recovered. Yeah, so... I know Haiti is, you know, I think of Haiti often when I think of earthquakes and just the Mm -hmm. wide scale of 
devastation and trying to fix things afterwards can take years and years. And then there might be another earthquake. Exactly. Rattle all the achievement that you made. Right. And I hope that, I hope more and more people are aware of the fact that it's not just in Turkey or in Syria, like these practices of shoddy building and all of that. When your priority is money at all times, this is the end result, whether it's there or in the U.S. Like we're seeing, we're not talking about the derailment this week in Ohio, but there's been several others. They happen all the time in this country because it's putting profits over people and doing things in an unsafe way. And then it's you and I and just normal everyday working people that have to suffer for it. And it doesn't have to be that way. You know, like the people in charge have to be held accountable for flouting these laws, trying to get around paying people properly and skimping and all of this. And then you end up with something that is shoddy and unsafe. And it will come out somehow. It will affect people somehow. You're either going to pay on the front end or you're going to pay on the back end. And it's a lot more expensive on the back end and it hurts way more people. Absolutely very sad. And, you know, our thoughts go out to everyone impacted. Um, So for our next musical break, we have another track from a Black rapper gone too soon. This is Nobody Beats the Biz by Biz Marquee. You're listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll be right back. Either dance or just have a seat and listen to the way in what I am displaying. A different kind of rapper language that I am saying to all the party people, mad at but info. When it comes to rocking parties, I am a nympho maniac, brainiac for doing my dancing. My rap can make the music, we'll put you in a trance and hypnotize your body and like it's a cardigan. You won't be fighting the ill and you just be partying down with the funky sound with yours truly. I'm the original BRZ, I mean, okay, I was the E and I was the aim to have fun and not be number one and just here to. Let you know who's like running a place and everywhere that I perform and do a show, show, as long as you know that. Nobody beats the biz. 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 You know me at the I go for what I know, doing a show for human beings. I'm guaranteed the rock to make the ladies see me shout. I'm bound to wreck your body as they turn the body out. The body rapper, so tapper, always have a form. And when you hear the biz monkey, I get the job done. Yes, I'm the M&R monkey, I hear those that's me. I got the stutter step to keep it, check my speed is so you need it. So they say I look and sound funny, but I don't be caring. I rock the Latin Quarter Root, Top B, Square, and Roseland. The Hawthorne, Madison, Square Garden, even my footwork fit at Jaffa Center. Pardon the way that I'll be talking about the places I'll be rocking. I love to perform for the people that be clocking. Not saying that you're on mine, don't want it like I want it, but you pay for a good performance. Go on it, you want it. That's why I'm here to be like letting you know that I'm a highly recognized as the kid gets just going. Making people laugh and have a lot of enjoyment. I'm the best person for this type of employment. That's why, that's Nobody why. Nobody beats the biz. Nobody beats the biz. Nobody beats the biz. Nobody beats the biz. 
break of dawn. When you buy food cheap, you need a coupon. I catch a sale retail before it gets stale. To hurry up and get the wick, check out the mail and shop nonstop. By how I hip hop on the mic and like make it cooperate with the rhythm. That is what I give them. Reagan is the press, but I voted for Shirley Chisholm. It might sound confusing, the style that I'm using, but in the end, I'm sure that you will find it quite amusing and funny. Oh, honey, it's just ridiculous. Don't try to front. Come on and admit you was thrilled. Chill, your heart was fulfilled. So respect the architect as I begin to build. Science and my reliance is a form of rap. Like Carl Lewis, I get to it. So let's go to last. Go to last. like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming Radio Free Brooklyn events. You can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org forward slash newsletter. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now I will be sharing the national news story. This information comes from the Los Angeles Times. Uh, it was written by Richard Winton, Terry Castleman, Brittany Mejia, Sonia Sharp, and Noah Goldberg on February the 17th. Uh, the title of the article is Suspect in Shootings of Two Jewish Men in LA is Charged with Federal Hate Crimes. Uh, and I'm going to read the majority of the article, but some things I've left out for the sake of time. But, you know, I always encourage people to read the full thing on their own, as well as other articles. Um, Jaime Tron, 28, was charged with hate crime acts in connection with the Wednesday and Thursday shootings and admitted to police after his arrest that he has searched for a kosher market on Yelp 
before the attacks, according to a criminal complaint unsealed Friday in federal court in Los Angeles. Both victims survived the attacks. Tran had a disturbing history of anti-Semitic threats, according to the complaint, including emailing dozens of former classmates that Jews are quote-unquote primitive and repeatedly texting another former classmate with threatening messages such as, I want you dead, Jew. We were lucky that we're not going to funerals. That's just the reality, Rabbi Abraham Cooper from the Simon Weisenthal Center said at a Friday news conference announcing the charges. Tomorrow, we go to our services with our children. You don't want to give bigots victory. The first shooting occurred around 10 a.m. Wednesday near the intersection of Shenandoah and Cascio Streets when a man in his 40s was shot in the back while walking to his vehicle, authorities said. The second was around 8 a.m. Thursday near Pickford and South Bedford Streets, about a block away, when a man walking home was shot in the arm. Both victims were shot at close range while leaving religious services wearing black jackets and head coverings that visibly identified their Jewish faith, according to the complaint. Witnesses and victims told police they saw the shooter in a gray Honda Civic. Officers tracked him to Palm Springs on Thursday based on his cell phone location, and he was arrested in Cathedral City by local police after a report of a man firing a gun near a Honda Civic, according to the complaint. Police found Tran standing by the front door of the car with an AK-style rifle and a 38 caliber handgun sitting on the driver's seat. He was arrested without incident. When he was interviewed by police, Tran admitted that he had decided to shoot someone near the kosher market he looked up on Yelp and knew his victims were Jewish because of their quote-unquote headgear, the complaint said. He asked police whether the victims were dead, according to federal prosecutors. He also told police he had been living in his car for more than a year and obtained the guns from someone in Arizona. Tran was expelled from his dental school in 2018 and sent anti-Semitic messages to former classmates years later in 2022, according to the complaint. Councilmember Katie Young Yaroslavsky, whose district includes Pico Robertson, said earlier Thursday that she was concerned by the shootings, which coincide with a rise in anti-Semitic attacks in recent months. Uh, LAPD statistics show a 24% increase in anti-Jewish hate crimes last year compared with 2021. There were 89 victims in 2022 and 72 in 2021, according to the statistics. Um, And this is some additional information about the alleged shooter from NBC Palm Springs. Uh, This is written by the City News Service, Christine Villarreal. Uh, Just some excerpts from there. At the end of November, the alleged shooter allegedly emailed dozens of former classmates at the dental school calling the COVID-19 pandemic part of a Jewish conspiracy. He included a flyer in the email listing various government officials and the word Jewish written next to the name of every official, according to the affidavit. About a month later, Tran allegedly again emailed former classmates describing Jewish people as primitive and encouraging his classmates to blame any inconvenience or lost revenue from the COVID-19 lockdowns on the Iranian Jew, according to the document. 
Between August and November, he allegedly repeatedly texted a former classmate anti-Semitic and threatening messages, including, someone is going to kill you, Jew, and I want you dead, Jew, the affidavit said. Robert J. Williams, executive director of the USC Shoah Foundation, blasted the suspect's alleged insinuation that Jews were to blame for COVID-19 as, his, as a historic anti-Semitic trope. He said in a statement, the claim is just the latest version of the same lie. These events remind us why it's so important to combat disinformation. So yeah, like it was a story that came up. I saw it on social media and wanted to go into some more detail uh, for our listeners because it's definitely quite disturbing and the fact that this person had a history of threatening that he was going to do something violent. Um, I'm also thinking about, I don't know if you've been following, but the shooter from the Buffalo massacre that happened near where I went to school, he was also had written some manifesto where he was engaging in anti-Semitic conspiratorial thinking as well that led him to kill a bunch of black people. So it's it's truly a very disturbing trend and people are more and more emboldened to pick up a gun and then act out on these things. Yeah, and I think we've seen quite a rise in the backstory of these killers um, being kind of, you know, you can you can trace it. The question in stories like this, I always wonder, like, you know, what could have been done to be prevented? You know, I don't think, you know, a lot of times we probably can't answer that. But it's always one of those things where when you see the backstory, it's like, oh, you've seen all the signs coming, right? He painted all these pictures. He made it very clear what could be done um, in situations like that. Because I'm sure there's you know, many of those people breeding right now as we speak to you know, carry out atrocities because of hate. If there was anything that could be done you know, I wish we could figure that out. I mean, you can't harass a person because they haven't officially committed a crime, but I do feel like there needs to be some, something. I mean, I, I was certainly- kind of intervention, you know, yeah. like these things are, you know, I, I, it would be one thing if it was something where he was writing it down in a journal. Right. But it seems like he was telling people- Making that- it known. Yeah, he was making it plain and it's it's scary. But, you know, I also can't speak for what those people did or did not do when they found out. Maybe they did report it and nothing happened. So that's the stuff we don't hear about, right? Yeah, we don't know. You know, we know from just other examples of, um, at, you know, terrible instances of misogynist violence, for example, on the show, we've talked frequently about how a person will go to the police repeatedly. Like he said, he's going to kill me. He said he's going to do that and nothing happens at all until the person makes good on that promise. And then you see a response after the fact. But I do think there should be some kind of intervention like that. These, you know, especially, you know, anti-Semitic conspiratorial type thinking, it's really a. I think it's like a canary in a coal mine type of situation. Like if somebody is really latched into that type of thinking and they're making it known, I think it's safe to assume they have some kind of intention to do something. Like if the opportunity arises 
And unfortunately, it's almost like a contagion because one person does it and then other people get inspired by it and they want it to be known that that was their motivation, you know, similar to what happens, you know, and other things like with Islamophobic attacks and stuff like that. It's like they have this ideology that they want to spread and get out there. So the sooner you can nip it in the bud, the better. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, you know, we can't, what we can do, we should do. And even if, you know, there is some fear there, it's just, I just feel like for the safety of humanity, we need to remember to remain vigilant and also encourage one another to, you know, speak up when we see something wrong. Because I think a lot of times people have just adopted this sort of, I'm going to stay out of it. It ain't my business. I don't have nothing to do with that out of fear and all types of reasons. But the reality is the only way, you know, to prevent something or, you know, to help. If you can, you have to, you know, for the safety of yourself and others, please like, don't be scared into submission to these things because there's not a lot of, you know, voices out here telling us to remain vigilant and to care about one another it's more of the opposite, right? Stay out of the way. Don't bother yourself with these people and these issues. When the truth of the matter is, if anything can be done, we're going to be the ones to do it. True. And I do like um, at the end of the Palm Spring, the NBC Palm Springs article, how um, the executive director of the USC Shoah Foundation, Robert J. Williams, the statement that he made about combating disinformation, I do think that's extremely important. Because this person is someone who got latched onto this via COVID conspiracy garbage Mm -hmm. that he probably saw all over the internet. And then that just whatever prejudice he already had, it just went from zero to 100. And I feel like the people in power that are responsible for disseminating the correct information, they have really failed at their duty for, you know, keeping people properly informed in a way that's accessible about this virus and just public health measures in general, why they're important, what happened. And when you are not upfront with people, you leave room for all the disinfo to grow and spread like an infection because that you left that lane open for these people to get in. It's like, you're not going to give people the correct answers. Okay. Well, here's someone that's giving you an answer. It might be complete garbage, but they're going to latch onto that. And as we can see, it's dangerous. It's not just words. It's not just the internet. It's real life. Exactly. So yeah, very, at at least happy that these two um, victims are still living. I hope that they don't have any long-term, you know, physical complications. But of course, you know, just like we said with the earthquake, these things stick with you mentally for a long Mm -hmm. time and they have an impact on a community, not just the individual victims. So hoping for, you know, as positive a recovery as they can have. Um, And so we had three stories that were pretty heavy. And now, uh, Reese, you have some good news for us. Yes. Shout out to one of our old hosts, Emily, who uh, left us to go to Spain and do big things in her life. Uh, I thought about her when I seen this story. Uh, let's not talk, let's say former not she's not the old host she's not old i think she's That's younger than both she of us. <laughs> we, we started the show at the same time so you know what i'm trying to say just show yeah. her some love just show us her some love 
So this, I got this story from uh, NBCNews.com. Um, the title is Spain Approves Menstrual Leave, Trans Laws, and Teen Abortion. Uh, Spain is the first country in Europe to entitle workers to paid menstrual leave. And so anybody who has suffered from this, I'm sure you feel what I'm feeling right now. Uh, the article uh, comes from Associated Press. The Spanish Parliament on Thursday approved legislation expanding abortion and transgender rights for teenagers while making Spain the first country in Europe that will entitle workers to paid menstrual leave. The driving force behind the two laws was Equality Minister Irene Montero, who belongs to a junior member who belongs to the junior member in Spain's left wing coalition government, the United We Can Party. The changes to sexual and reproductive rights means that 16 and 17-year-olds in Spain can now undergo an abortion without parental consent. Period products will now be offered free in schools and prisons, while state-run health centers will do the same with hormonal contraceptives and the morning after pill. The menstrual leave measure allows workers suffering debilitating period pain to take paid time off. In addition, the changes enshrine in law the right to have an abortion in a state hospital. Currently, more than 80% of termination procedures in Spain are carried out in private clinics due to high numbers of doctors in the public system who refuse to perform them, with many citing religious reasons. Under the new system, state hospital doctors won't be forced to carry out abortions, provided they've already registered their objections in writing. The abortion law builds on legislation passed in 2010 that represented a major shift for a traditionally Catholic country, transforming Spain into one of the most progressive countries in Europe on reproductive rights. Spain's constitutional court last week rejected a challenge by the right-wing popular party against following abortions in the first 14 weeks of pregnancy. A separate package of reforms, also approved by lawmakers on Thursday, strengthened transgender rights, including allowing any citizen over 16 years old to change their legally registered gender without medical supervision. Minors between 12 and 13 years old will need the judge's authorization to change, while those between 14 and 16 must be accompanied with their parent or legal guardian. Previously, transgender people needed a diagnosis of several doctors of gender dysmorphia. The second law also bans so-called conversion therapy for LGBTQ people that provides and provides state support for lesbians and single women seeking IVF. The center-left coalition government is currently under fire for another of Montero's star projects, a new sexual consent law that was intended to increase protection against rape, but has inadvertently allowed hundreds of sex offenders to have their prison sentence reduced. The only yes means yes law makes verbal consent the key component in cases of alleged sexual assault, the government is now struggling to come up with the amended version and end the controversy ahead of elections next year. The three initiatives have met strong opposition from right-wing parties that form Spain's main opposition bloc. So that's the story. Um, quite a move. This is a huge change. Um, and I haven't heard of any any country ever doing being so progressive with these with these laws. Specifically, what stands out for me is the paid menstrual leave um, for people who suffer and also, you know, the age, um, the age constrictions that have been lifted for young people um, who are dealing with these these issues within their life and within their families. Uh, very progressive move on their behalf in Spain. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see somebody else living your dream. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know Spain definitely has its problems, especially with, you know, sometimes like a culture of machismo and Mm -hmm. a lot of xenophobic, anti-Black sentiment and Islamophobic uh, sentiment. However, like these laws are a step in the right direction for sure. And you just look at what's happening here in the States. Like, I don't know if you've been following um, the New York Times where uh, many uh, former country or, or current contributors signed an open letter about their pivot to very like anti-trans um, writing and that they're against that. And the mm. way the Times has responded has really been shameful. Like I told my one friend, like I'm very deliberately avoiding that paper because the, the things that they platform have become so dangerous, but it's good to see that outside of the U S there are places that are not going backwards on mm-hmm. you know equality and extending you know rights to people and actually taking the time to make sure that they're codified in the law and not just dependent on individual people choosing to do the right thing because you need something to back you up um, against you know forces that want you to promote different types of bigotry or restrictions on um, your autonomy yeah well definitely I hope that this um, kind of takes a wave and makes a lot of other leaders uh, really think about these laws. Um, and as you said, writing things into the law that include people the law was created to avoid and issues that the law was created to not deal with, because those are the people who really need the most help. Yeah, for sure. I hope, you know, people who call themselves progressive that work in legislation and all that in the U S you need to take note. Like you have to take bold action That's right. and really go all out. You know, you can't argue with people that want to take us back to Bible times, which is what we're dealing with at this moment. So good for the people of Spain. And I hope that, you know, these laws just get stronger with time. Absolutely. All right, so we did a show. It's been a pleasure talking again with you, Reese. It had been a minute. Yes, definitely. I miss y'all, miss this uh, intellectual dialogue. You know, you don't run across it a lot in life unless you just surround yourself with uh, beautiful nerds like ourselves. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll take it. I guess I am a nerd. <laughs> me too. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for allowing me to come back. Uh, yeah, of course. I'm not a tyrant. (laughs) That's right. The door is wide open. Maybe we'll hear from Emily again one day soon, too. Great. Awesome. All right. So thank you for listening. This has been Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Stay tuned for more local community-based radio. And we're going to play you out with a shout-out to my Uncle Arnold, who is from Belize. And this song is Belize. Uh, by Danger Mouse, Black Thought, and the late MF Doom. Bye. Have a good rest of your week, everybody. Bye. Away from you. Yo. 
I'm sick, no lymph nodes is swollen. They told me even when the record skip, keep it rolling on his shoulder like a California highway patrolman. Launch codes were stolen and sold by Ed Snowden. I fled to Rome and told him to dress me as a Roman. I'm still in photos, posing with my own omen. A thumping kicker for me to slam like Hope. Hoping it's something like a plain bumper sticker, no slogan. This something for the shooters and back and forth commuters who never knew the difference in laws and jurisprudence. I feel as though it's safe to assume that to the students and I can grow into the way that me and Doom do this. You checking the top two of a thousand intelligent chaps with rap projects and housing developments. Cool the cross-legged on a crate like it's elegant. Try to hate. I'm puffing up your face like a pelican. Highly enveloped and activating my melanin. Y'all failing to see what's shaking besides gelatin. News bulletin. I refuse to take the medicine. Fuck a thick skin. I got me an exoskeleton. The black column feral in a lobster Deliver like an obstetrician but not a doctor Bring the Cambridge, the Webster, the Oxfords The picture too long to watch See the synopsis Compensated for playing nice as optics Product of the last poets in the watch Profits, I stop it It's beyond out of pocket Dunzo, I hit the gun show and got a rocket Catastrophic, supreme microphones In Mexico, we the legendary dos cojones Brothers, both components Other close to colas, court holders With bars as hard as Angola's Get rude with the dude off chips The mood switch, he chewed off strips of a brood witch Danger make a groove with a glitch Major boo booty twitch and the crew rich bitch Always wanted to say that Ever since the days in hallways taunting the stray cat The one he often frequently slapped around All the while waited and graduated cap and gown Hated the rap sound, debated the crap until he felt he had it mapped down. Enough to have the game trapped and bound. Scratched the crown with the names of lames who yapped the noun. Or verb for that matter, had no data for a herb who chat chatter. Oh, Eric Estrada, fat rat, the mask made him batty as a mad hatter. Known for his absurd word choices, and will ignore you if you ask him if he heard voices. Look, the energy is crazy. Far as he was concerned, the enemy was lazy. <clears throat> Your attention, please, freeze. He came to seize the free cheese. Before he flees to Belize. In case you forgot to mention, squeeze these. Just keep it on a need-to-no basis. They knew he was a Negro, so no need to show faces. Back in the days of no laces. On a slow pace, they used to say he might go places. Whatever the cases, the card he played was ace of spades, but no racist. A spastic, some call loony. When he split a tune, sarcastic, it's Paul Mooney. 